My name is Luke Darnell, pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke Barbecue, and I'm here to tell you about my new online class available at barbecuechamps.com. This is a 100% tell-all competition barbecue class from yours truly, available online. It is a master class with 34 high-definition tell-all online competition barbecue videos that can be watched anytime and they do not expire. They are packed full of pro tips, techniques, and recipes that will show you how to take your barbecue to the next level. These 34 barbecue cooking videos total 7 hours and will show you everything that you need to take your competition cooking to a level that you never thought was possible. We've already heard from several teams that have bought our classes and have already seen success and gotten their first calls. So this is something that brings me a lot of joy in sharing my knowledge and seeing people be successful with it. So are you ready to take your competition and backyard cooking to the next level? What are you waiting for? Just go ahead and go to barbecuechamps.com and find Luke Darnell Old Virginia Smoke. We hope Hope you learn a lot and enjoy these videos and have as much fun cooking these recipes as we had making them. Welcome to another edition of Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. My name is Luke Darnell, host of this podcast, and we have a special treat, a special end of season treat here as we have two other prominent pitmasters here on the East Coast that are both been on the show a few times. They know how it works. And we're going to have a little conversation today about the end of the season and how we all think about that. And I have with me today Brian Corbett from Smoke with Scully's. What's up, Scully? What's up, buddy? How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I see you have your weekday attire on. You're all prettied up. Yeah, button-up shirt. Yeah, looking good. Looking good for a radio uh, airway podcast. Right on. And then we have Steve Dotson, the cookout coach from DQ Barbecue. What's up, my guy? Living the dream, brother. That beard is looking like you're ready for a West Virginia winter. Oh, you know it. You know, it's it's probably got another inch or two to go before it's done. But, yeah, we're getting there. Right on. Right on. So it's that magical time of the year where uh, some of us will have, you know, a month or two off of not cooking competition barbecue and uh, get to look back and think about our year. Um is there, I know when I look back at it from an old Virginia smoke perspective, I'm looking for uh, how I, like what my batting percentage was in top tens and what it was in getting top tens in each of the meets. And that's how I really, really like to focus on, on whether we made progress from the year before. But also for me, a bigger thing is, is scores and categories. Uh, and one of the great tools in barbecue data is that it tells you your averages for each of the four meets for the year. And then you can go back and look at the previous year. So, uh, one of my goals always, and I know this is being really me centric right now, but it's easy to start here, um, is I want all four of my meets to be an average over 170, um, which I think for an East coast team is a good metric. Um, cooking a different part of the country. You, there's people out there that say there's no bias and scores aren't higher elsewhere. They're incorrect. Uh, this happens. So I accomplished that goal in 2023. Everything is over 171 even. Um, which if I go back to 2022 and look at barbecue data, 
similar numbers to actually last year was probably a little better. So it looks like I didn't, didn't do as well, uh, score wise, but what are some of the things that you guys look at in terms of how you assess your year? I'll start Steve, if you don't mind. Um, so I, I agree with you, Luke. I look at the scoring average as well. And, and I think here on the East Coast, you hit a, you hit a nail on the head. Uh, you want to average over a 170 in all four if you can. Um, if you can't, that's fine. Like I'm looking at mine on barbecuedata.com and, and what a tool that is. But uh, the only thing that's not above a one, so 172.7 is brisket and then pork and chicken are in the 173s. But ribs for me are at 168.9. Um, now we had a little brief discussion prior to the episode about smoke on the mountains. I got like a 147. So that certainly didn't help my batting average there in the rib category, but ribs for me, whatever reason this year have just been a, a lower scoring category as a whole. And, and those scores are reflective of that. Um, so on the East coast, we can look at a score in other regions, if you will. And they are not supposed, I guess people do say they're not different. They are. So I think by looking at your top tens, like you said in the very beginning of the episode, that is actually a very good measure without getting caught up in the score. Because I guarantee you there's some region right now in the United States, and I think the Northwest is traditionally a lower scoring uh, region if you look at the averages. A 168 rib might be tremendous, you know, as far as an annual average. And that person may have a 80% top 10 finish you know, average over the course of the year with a 168. And, you know, so you can look at it both those ways. They're going to tell the same story. It just depends on, I think, where you live of how you can evaluate that score versus top 10 or top five finish per category and overall. Yeah. um, Similar to both you guys, you know, the 170 is is big. Uh, I also, just because like last year was my first year, um, the master series. And I knew I was like a 688 or something average for my overall. So this year I was like, well, let's see if we can't get to the 690 as the average because on the East Coast, you know, um, you know, you're probably going to need a 700 or close to the GC. Or if you do, you know, you're in the hunt. So that's always the target. Um, you're not always going to get there. In fact, I don't think I got there once this year, but, uh, to have that average being a 690 tells me, you know, we're, at least mid 690s most of the time, depending on what your standard deviation is. But the other thing that I, I like to look at that might be a little different than you guys, because I, I don't think I cook as much as you guys do. Um, you know, a lot of times for me, one contest a month is what I'm going to do. So to to be competitive and only cook that much, you, there's got to be a lot of consistency. So it's it's kind of a mixture of a few things. One, it's it's what are those top tens, like you guys said, but also I have to go back and be honest with myself on all those cooks and say, you know, was this representative? Do, do I know what went wrong? If something went wrong this day. And if I do, all right, is that something that I can fix easily? Um, and just look at how consistent we were because you guys know that if you don't cook a lot, it's easy to get out of the group and then you got to get back in it. So if you can just turn it on, there are a few guys in, in competition barbecue that have had that throughout time. Like uh, I think Chris Lilly, right? The guy cooks like seven times a year and he might come out and win one of those seven. Um, and there are other guys that do that and ladies that do that. But, but just that, again, it's something you can measure, but it's also something you just kind of have to know. Am I being consistent or have I fallen off the, the wagon on one of these meats? 
And that's kind of like how I like to gauge it. If I happen to get some grams or some reserves or whatever in there, fantastic. But if not, are we at least on track where we're at least level set and we can improve from there? Yeah. I mean, if I'm looking at the data here, right, though, Steve, like, I mean, you cooked 12 times this year. Yeah. And you were in the top 10, 10 of them. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing batting average, dude. It's it's okay, yeah. (laughs) And and, But in the vein, right, so I can tell you that those two were Lakeland and Smoke on the Mountain. Um, Lakeland, I, I... of course, Dave Dick and I cooked together a lot this year, and that those were both cooks that we did together. Both those cooks, there's nothing I would take back. Uh, both of them were big contests, so you go back at that point, and then, okay, well, did we look at the tables? How do we do all the tables? But again, are we honest with ourselves? If there's something we didn't score well in, right? You know, it probably wasn't the table. Probably, how do we how do we stack up against people on the table? If we were there with cooks that we know are good, great. If we beat them, awesome. Um, that happened on the chicken table down in Lakeland. You know, we mm-hmm. won the table. We were on there with great cooks. It just wasn't the right table. That's okay. Um, smoke on the mountain, however, like, I know those ribs and pork could have been better. It's just right. got to be honest with yourself. So all I heard there was the times that David did cook with you, you did worse. N- no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so mad. I know. I enjoyed that one. Um, (laughs) uh, but you know, then it's funny because you also get a vibe from this stuff throughout the year. Like, you know, I have a, there's like five people in the world that after they've cooked, I, I talk to them after they're cooked and you're both on that list of people. Um, I know that I got to ask Brian how his ribs were like just inherently I got to know. Um, and you, I'm always, I'm always going to ask Steve about the big meats. Um, just even though he comes from the backyard, he beats the shit out of everybody in the big meats. So I don't quite get that other than he's just amazing, but it becomes those things, right? You know, where you're around people enough, but you can, you know, what questions you need to ask, especially if they're close to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely 100%. Right. And you know, that's, we've all drawn this comparison. It's kind of like golf, right? You want to know how those people did around you, but you also know that you're, you're playing against yourself. And if you can't beat your previous best, somebody around us is going to on the East coast. Right. That's right. No. And, 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 and much like golf, like Luke and I play golf and, and Steve, I don't know if you do or not, but um, if you, you got a buddy of yours that's playing and he's been putting poorly you know, a little bit more poorly than what he normally puts and but he's been driving it well. You see him and you didn't play with him, like, how'd you play today? How'd you drive it? Because you want to know how he's been doing what he's been doing really well. And then you say, how'd you put today? Because you want to know if he's actually improved what he's been working on. And I think we all work on things in barbecue. You know what I mean? And, and the reason Luke asked me about my ribs, and, and there's a number of reasons, one of which is probably not lost on the fact that he beats me every time we go against each other. Um, and that's really just... His way, he's not really concerned about my ribs. He just wants to know before we go to awards how bad he's eating. That's not true. <laughs> but but he knows that's kind of been a point of contention for me this year, and I he he really is rooting for me, right? And uh, because he knows it's been on my mind a whole lot. 
Um, and, and I'm the same way with, with Luke and, you know, other people, Brian Turner, Matt Griner, you know, Jason Hart. I mean, the list goes on with, with, you know, you see people, like, how was this? How was that? And you're pulling for them because you know, they're working so hard at something. Yeah. And, and that's, what's, you know, part of the awesome thing about the hobby that we have is that you become invested in others. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's, I mean, there's you two. I have to talk to Joe Pierce every Thursday before a contest, whether I'm driving to one or he's driving to one. Mm-hmm. Um, if that call isn't made, then, I mean, I, I have no correlation to results, but it's just something that, you know, <laughs> something that, that I do and something that we do. So, yeah, but this, this weekend, it's our good this week. Is the end of the year evaluation podcast going to move to superstitions? To be sure. Uh, well, it always could. I mean, <laughs> always goes to superstitions. I mean, everything goes to superstitions, right? You know, it can it easily? It can. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible. I mean, I'm looking here at my numbers and just based on my feelings about 2023, I would have told you that I had a really good pork year because. Mm-hmm. I actually won pork and got a 180 this year. I only had six calls out of 14 contests. That's not, it's not great. Um, you know, that's, and it's just something again, you know, I could keep going back to this quote from Mike Wozniak from QL, take your worst meat, make it your best meat. Yep. You know, so that continues to be a, a point of, you know, that's our lowest average score right now. So that's going to be my biggest focus on the off season. So in, in that vein, um, because I firmly agree with that statement as well, and I know what I do, but I'm curious, a lot of people are, are willing to do the analysis and love to dive into the numbers, but what do you guys like to do when you do the analysis? Um, and let's, let's go down that route of you find what your weakest point is. Like, what's, what are your next steps? Because there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this trying to get better in the off season. Oh, I'll jump in here. Can I look? So, yes, sir. Um, I'll tell you what I do. So it's we all talk about practice, right? You talk about practice before you change something between contests. You talk about practice in the offseason. What my, my Mike Wozniacki said, you know, and I and I love that statement. Take your worst meat and make it your best. That means what he means by that is work on it, cook it, perfect it, get better at it. The question is, and I have actually been asked this question by. Um, teams that cook very few contests or they're just getting started, they're like, man, we hear about practice. But what do you do? Like if I cook a pork butt at my house and I put the same injection, same rub, same timeline, same sauce, you know, pull it at, you know, around about the same tenderness, I don't know if I'm getting better or not. And I'll tell you how I start. How I start is – it's okay to ask. It's not okay to go in somebody's trailer when they're working on their pork and trying to shig, but it's okay. And and I've called Luke before. I've called Brian Turner before. You know, Jason Singletary, Joseph Pucha. I mean, there's a whole list of guys. I'm like, dude, I'm getting my teeth kicked in and ribs. You know, and I and every time I think I got a great box, it gets it, it doesn't do well. And when I don't really like my box, sometimes it does do well. I can't figure it out, man. You, you got anything for me? What's uh? You know, what are you seeing here? Is it tenderness? Is it taste? Or they want a more savory rib? They want a sweeter candy rib? You know, what, what have you got going on? I'm not looking recipes. I'm looking a trend, if you will. 
You know, and if I talk right. to if I talk to a couple of my buddies that in the area I'm cooking in have I'm gonna use ribs as an example because that's my weakest category right now this year. Is if I see a couple of buddies of mine that's trending well in ribs and I talk to them and they go, Man, I you know, I kind of tweak mine a little bit and I've, you know, gone a little more sweet, gone a little more savory, you know, whatever. And I go, Well, that's two guys that, you know, the last five contests have finished in the top five in ribs. Um, you know, I might jot that down in my notes after my phone. And, you know, this winter I might look and go, Huh. Those two dudes, they went five contests in a row in the top five cooking separately, and they were both kind of trending in this direction. Let me cook a rack of ribs that way versus the rack I cook now, and I want to face them side by side. You know, um, I also like to make one change if I can, or no more than two, because then I can evaluate how that change affected it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's how I personally like to go at my practice is gather some information from other people that are actually doing better than I am in that particular category. Right. And I, I do. So been at this a while now, right? 11 years. So mm-hmm. I'll look at pork and I'll go back through all of my class notes mm-hmm. that I've taken and look for common denominators, look for things that, Maybe I used to do that I don't do anymore or things that I've added that I don't need. Um, but I, I'll go review a pork recipe. I'll even cook somebody else's pork recipe from a class. Um, or I'll, you know, I'll go on Barbecue Chance Academy and download a pork class or I'll go, you know, to the barbecue league and watch Brad's pork video for the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do something and I'm going to try it. I'm going to get myself out of my comfort zone first. And then I'm going to cook that. Uh, Steve actually helped me with this earlier in the year. Um, you know, I was dying. I was struggling. So we tried, we tried something totally different. Um, and we threw it together. It wasn't exactly what he said, <laughs> but we ham and egged it as much. We kept calling it the redneck pork because it was the trailer park pork recipe because we just basically threw everything we could at it that was kind of similar, but not really. <laughs> and uh it was hot it ran hot and cold um but i mean that's that when i'm practicing out then i'll run i'll try something if i like it i'll run my pork butt then their pork butt yep right and then i'll try it out but the one thing that we've done and we've pretty much done it consistently not every year but at least every other year is we'll invite six judges to our house on a Saturday and we'll run full competition cook at the house, uh, make boxes, everything, give them all a score sheet, require comments. Um, there's no other, I don't want to bring another team into that. Um, I, I know other places, other people have done that where they've gone, they've had like six teams. So everybody's getting one sample. Uh, I'm not interested in, and those other teams. Uh, and that sounds terrible, but I'm, I want those, those judges are there to provide me feedback. So I'm going to use that as much as I can. Um, and we bring them out for three or four hours, make a whole deal of it and really sit down. Um, sometimes I'll make two of uh, two different chickens or, you know, I'll make legs and make five box. 
and just see. Um, just see what they think. And there's different methodologies to that too, right? Like, do we try and invite different judges every year? Do we invite the same people? Most of the judges that come are people who have cooked with us, so they know what we do. They know what our food tastes like. I think that's an advantage. Um, not all of them. We always try and throw one or two in there that maybe don't know it. Um, but I always want that baseline. And that's just something that we do when we practice and try and get better. But it's also always about education, man. Um, being able to learn and Brian, you and I have talked about going to a class sometime somewhere this winter. And um, Steve, I know you're busy teaching your own videos and stuff. And But you've taken classes, too. And the, finding those little things is really the key. Yeah, it's just that. Yeah. That's, that's a great idea about the judges. I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Oh no, that's uh, it, it's fantastic idea, and I was just gonna say I'm sort of a, in between both of you guys um, because Brian, you said something real important in my view, and that's to isolate variables. You only change one or two things at a time. It's it's really hard to isolate variables when you're talking about cooking barbecue because the meat's different every time. Your fire, your it's hard, but you've got to do the best you can. Otherwise, you can't judge the change. What I do a lot is is I'll cook. And with, with, you know, what I do, I can, I can work from home and I work in the office a lot. Um, I'll isolate those variables. I don't have that, that pool of judges like you do, Luke, but I think Tim said on your podcast one time, you know, he's not trying to cook the best barbecue on specific judges. He wants the best barbecue to give to any hobo out there and they would think it's fantastic. So, you know, I, I'll come in and I'll feed the people in the office what I just cooked. And you've got to be careful there, right? Because, they could, there's no rule in KCBS says they couldn't judge contests because they're not certified judges, but you've got to be really careful with the feedback there. So I know I've changed one or two things. So I'll let them eat and then I'll go, which one did you like better in this aspect, either tenderness or taste or flavor? Like, which one did you like better? And then can you articulate why? And so it's, it's not a certified judge, but it is a person who likes to eat and. I want that food to taste good no matter what. If it's coming across to KCBS judges' plate, it still needs to taste good to them. And they're going to go out to whatever same place I eat later anyway. So they're going to have the same taste buzz as the people I work with. It's just getting them to quantify what the difference is and what's better. And if you can talk to somebody and get that, it's the best I got. And it seems to work for me most of the time. This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. And you don't want to miss out on this discount from the Kansas City Barbecue Store. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could possibly want. Make the Kansas City Barbecue Store your one-stop shop for all your outdoor cooking needs. As a listener of the OVS Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this spring by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, all caps, for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data, historical data, calls, wins, placements, 
everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to barbecuedata.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on barbecuedata.com. You know, the really valid point there, though, if you think about it, like, you made the statement that they're not judges. They could judge. Nothing says they have to be certified. But even our, our certified judges, even the ones that have taken the J-Cup provided by, by KCBS, they're just your average person like you and I. You know, they're going to eat Thai food on Tuesday at lunch or barbecue on Wednesday or whatever. So... I love that idea because if you can get the general public to say, man, this is really, really, really good, and they're not saying, oh, good grief, that's got a lot of spice to it, you know, then you're probably on to something that's pretty universally good there. Then you just need to worry about your tenderness, you know. Right. And uh, that's, a, that's a really good point. I never thought about it that way because I've always, when I cook for friends, I'm like, ah, you know, I guess their opinion matters, but it don't matter because <laughs> you know, they don't know what they're <laughs> talking about. But the way you verbalized it, they do know what they're talking about because they're no different than the six people sitting in that tent at that table. You know, uh, it just those people took a class that these mm-hmm. did, you know, but taste is still taste. Tenderness is still tenderness. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where the thought goes. And it stemmed from my wife. I was feeding her stuff I was cooking. And she's like, oh, this is way better than the stuff you used to cook. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, oh, it really wasn't good. And I was like, but I competed with it. I got to think about it. I was like, well, she didn't like it. Why did they ever take it to a contest? And so it's like, well, let's just try the normal people train and see if normal people think this is good barbecue or not and start there. Hmm. I love both of those ideas you guys threw out. Yeah, those are, I like Steve's idea. It's something that I've always discounted. Um, Same here. But I, but it's, I mean, it's important. It's, I mean, but we're, at the same time, you have to remember, we're all ruined by what we do. Um, I went to a wedding this weekend where it's the first wedding I've gone to where I've not been a worker in a long time. And um, they still hired a barbecue caterer. And I told them in, from the beginning that I would do my best to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think cooks are the worst judges. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. You if know. you notice, one of the things none of us have said is, like, get a bunch of cooks together and eat each other's food. And No. No, that doesn't. I mean, it works if you – I think it, if you have the right group of people, it could work. I want but. really, really good teams. If we're going to – if we were to do something like that, like, say it would be the three of us and then – three other cooks at our level, not, and I'm not knocking newbies. I love them, but, but not somebody that's completely throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, yeah. you know, so I take, so it, down here in North Carolina for a handful of years, uh, there used to be what was called the, I can't remember the actual name of, we call it the frost buster. Yeah. Uh, and Terry Weinbrenner used to host it at his house. Um, and they would get, you know, four, five, six, eight, nine of us teams, ever how many there were, and we would go to Terry's house, 
set up your rigs, whatever the case may be, and cook all four categories. And he would bring in certified barbecue judges. And the judges, um, we would, so when it was time, when it was chicken time, the turn-ins, I think, were an hour apart instead of the normal 30 minutes. But because you wanted that extra allotment of time, so when it was chicken judging time, all the cooks, the pit masters, would be able to go into the room with the judges. From the That's time great the idea. Box, from the box to the time the clamshell was open. Uh, so you're seeing how it all works. You're seeing their facial expressions. Uh, and then as they were judging it, instead of them just writing down scores in a comic card, they did that as well. Uh, they also talked to us about, they didn't know whose entry was whose, just like they do at a KCBS contest. But they would be like box number 17. Uh, that chicken was flavorful, but it was dry. Uh, like it had been overcooked and it just, there was just the texture of it was terrible because it was so dry, you know? And so we didn't tell them who was who our, our we were instructed to stand in the back and just, you know, your box number 17, you just listen. And then you could actually make those notes and make those changes. Um, that was really cool. Uh, yeah. so that, I mean, if you could put something like that together with three or four teams and bring in eight, nine, 10 judges, that's, I think you could get some good information there. No, I agree. I also think it helps to helps to keep a great relationship between judges and cook teams. Sure. There becomes a camaraderie there. We have to have us both. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> just kidding, everybody. Just kidding. You can't have contests without cook teams, and you can't have contests without judges. So that's true. Yeah. I mean, I definitely so, think we all, we all get our cluster of judges that always drop by same judges every time after a contest to ask how everything goes, right? It's, it's going to build one way or, or the other. And hopefully it's a, uh, it's a, it's a good relationship that we end up building. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll leave it with, uh, what are you going to work on this off season, Brian? I'm going to work on um, I'm going to work on ribs, obviously. That's my worst meat, so I'm going to work on a couple of things there. And I, honestly, I, I, I think simplicity is my goal right now. Um, I think sometimes when we struggle in a meat, we tend to throw more at it. Uh, more rub, different rubs, more sauce, different sauce, more wrap ingredients, different wrap ingredients. I, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to err on the side of simplicity and kind of tweak from there if I need to. And that's that's my goal right now with ribs. Uh, my other three categories are 173 plus. So I'm not going to do any tinkering with those. I may, when I'm cooking ribs, I'm going to cook some of those uh, for a couple of reasons. Just to stay sharp is one reason. And two, just so that I can hold somewhat of a consistent timeline when I cook my ribs. Because when I cook ribs at a contest, I typically have brisket and pork butts still on the pit. So mm-hmm. I may throw a couple of pork butts on there, and I've always got people wanting wanting good barbecue. Um, I'll also use, like, water pans on there to kind of mimic something else drawing in that heat. Um, oh, yeah, good point. So that I hold my hold my ribs timeline at least uh, as, as close as I can. Um, but I think I'm shooting for simplicity, man. I think that's, that's where I'm – I think that's where I'm headed. Cool. What about you, Panda? 
Well, I'm also going to be working on ribs this year uh, in the offseason. Everything else was very consistent. Pork, like, so just a quick story, the the pork that you're talking about, the trailer park pork, that weekend that you did that, I think I went I went one at the contest I was at, and you went either one or two at the contest you were at. So here, here to redneck pork. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of went – it did go up and down, though. That was very interesting this year. But – it was up at the beginning, so I'll leave it alone for this year. Um, I always review everything I've done, so or taken class wise. So that involves Barbecue Champs Academy, like you mentioned, and and your class are the only two classes I've ever taken. So I'll rewatch those, and I talk to you on the regular, anyways. Um, might check out your class on Barbecue Champs since I haven't seen that yet. Um, <laughs> I review that stuff, like Brian said, keep it simple because if something falls off the rails. Usually you started to add something to it or you took something away or you changed something in how you cook it. Um, so I'll review that mentally, but really you and I have talked about this already, Luke. I'm chasing the flavor on ribs that I got sometimes this year and sometimes I didn't. And I think it has something more to do with how I'm applying the heat to them. Um, so I'm going to try to figure out if I can't isolate that and get it to show up every time because it wasn't there every time, which blows my mind a little bit. Um that goes against the consistency thing we just talked about. So that's kind of what I'm trying to find is that consistent flavor on those ribs, um, which is something you always tell people never chase the flavor, but it was, it was like a unicorn. It was there sometimes and sometimes it wasn't. So that's my goal is to find that and figure out where it was going and figure out how to keep it around. Right. And I think I should revise that. I mean, I recently got the competition food that, kind of blew me away and uh you know it's how how can i transition to what i think is a really solid program right now you know how can i work on it to get especially pork right because it's been if you go to barbecue data i mean We've won chicken 19 times. We've won ribs 18 times. We've won brisket 14 times. We've won pork seven times. You know, uh, that's just not going to win you a lot of contests. Um, as the meats go from smaller to bigger, the point differential usually spreads out between the, the haves and the, and the haven'ts. And, if you're not scoring high in those bigger meets, you know, it's going to be harder to win contests. And that's, you know, that's the ultimate goal. So I've started putting together all my notes and going back and rereading a bunch of stuff and trying to recreate this pork I gave Brian earlier in the year at Pinehurst. And, uh, (laughs) that that was, that was the redneck pork. I've never, I've never rendered Scully speechless with a piece of meat before. And I did that day. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he, just, he finished second, and it was either first or second. I called it. I was like, see the one or two. Yeah, I mean, he just looked. One, it's not one they got it wrong. He looked at me and just walked out of the trailer. I was mm-hmm. like, "What? Why? What I do? <laughs> Did I fart?" <laughs> the uh, the two best pork entries I had this year. Just random side note: uh, I set that pork on fire both times. Like literally burnt the fat cap off of it on accident. Had to rip it off before it got wrapped. First huh. place both times. Set your pork on fire. 
This is a side note, but do you guys ever think that 90% of the stuff that we do is complete and total crap and doesn't matter? That's a that's a dark hole to go down, man. It it's really is. You're questioning everything. Man, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll, leave, we'll leave that one for the mid-season when everybody's bored and on social media complaining about everything. We'll fire that one out. We'll go down. The, we'll call it the dark path. That's what we'll do that one. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys for offering some insight into, into off season and how you approach it. I think that'll really, uh, help some people. And that's always the goal of this podcast. So, um, thank you. I appreciate both of you and both of you and how you always are willing to come on and always provide a lot of great, great stuff. So I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on again, Luke. And, uh, uh, the, we went this entire podcast and I apologize, but congratulations to you on your barbecue champs Academy. Oh. Uh, class. That's uh, that's really really cool. And if anybody is looking to practice anything this off season, you can probably start there with Luke Darnell's OVS Barbecue Champs class and make some serious strides. I bet you. It's yeah, all that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, go go ahead, Steve. I was just gonna say, say you know, thanks for having me on again. It's always great. Love to listen to pick everybody's brain, but it's always fun to be on to uh, to be a part of it. So thanks for having me and. Yeah, anybody who hasn't taken the OBS class before, I definitely would recommend checking out that that barbecue champs class because I've taken it in person and it's awesome. I uh, I rarely do this, but I'm going to right now because he actually just sent me a mes- message. Uh, you know, Rich Bleal, chock full of barbecue. Yeah, he sent me a message. Did he? During while we were recording this, and said after watching your class your online videos and using your ingredients. We got our best ever call in brisket and Curatech this weekend. They finished third, I think third or fourth in brisket. Third. This yeah. Yeah. And I'm not offering that up to brag or to sell. That shit makes me happy. Oh, dude, it's that's, yep. that somebody, that somebody took my knowledge and did good with it and felt to send me a message that just makes me, it brings me joy. So and, and Rich and Rich and Toby, his uh, stepson are—I mean, uh, yeah—they're they're great people. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 always awesome to hear, man. That makes me, and I've gotten a few comments like that, and they're all just—they make me smile more than anything else could. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will catch up again this winter. Again, we'll save it for whenever everybody's going off the rails about something. We'll come and talk about the dark hole. <laughs> thanks a lot guys alright thanks Thanks, guys bye thank you for listening to Pitmaster an old Virginia smoke podcast be sure to subscribe and like the podcast rate the podcast and share it out with all your friends also be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster for companies interested in advertising please contact old Virginia smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Old Virginia.